Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about issues of the day from a biblical perspective, as well as highlights from interviews, conferences, and events. Here's Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. The Supreme Court rules on abortion. Here to weigh in is Eric Scheidler, the executive director of the Chicago-based Pro-Life Action League. Eric, what's your reaction to the ruling? Well, we're over the moon. The Supreme Court has finally done what for almost 50 years we've been fighting for them to do. They have overturned that egregiously wrong ruling, egregiously wrong, as Samuel Alito put it uh, in the opinion. We are just sort of stunned is part of it, you know, because we worked so hard for this day. Even with the leak that came out from the Dobbs ruling, uh, we were on tenterhooks, whether they would actually follow through and issue this ruling overturning Roe versus Wade. They've done that. We are incredibly excited about this. At the same time, though, we have to really reckon with the new landscape of abortion. We have states like Illinois that are becoming more and more radically pro-abortion all of the time. We have the advent of abortion pills that can easily be shipped across state lines without much opportunity to, to intervene in that at all. So we're going to have to establish whatever laws we can to limit the abortion pill trade. We're going to have to work very hard to help women in states that are expanding abortion to have the choice for life. We're going to have to revamp everything that we do. And we also have to realize that some of the changes coming may actually make abortion more accessible to people. For example, if Missouri were to ban abortion completely or limit it very much, they have a 72-hour waiting period right now. Well, if that 72-hour waiting period is gone, women are just going to cross over the border into Illinois and get abortions that same day. So it's going to be incredibly complicated. We have to be realistic about how many lives we'll actually be able to save just with this overturning of Roe and the new laws that are going to be implemented. We have a tremendous work ahead of us as a movement. This is not the time to sit on our laurels. Yes, we must celebrate. We, we have an obligation to thank God for the gift of this ruling, but but we have to redouble our efforts to actually save these children from abortion throughout the entire country and not just in those pockets of pro-life states that are out there. We still need to be out there on the front lines outside of the abortion facilities offering help. We need to be manning the pregnancy centers that provide help to women so they can choose life. We need to be pushing our politicians to advance the cause of life. We need to be fighting pro-abortion bills in states like Illinois and others that are so detrimental to our cause and continuing all that we've ever done, but with this limited victory as a kind of wind in our sails pushing us forward. Eric, the pro-abortion left is promising to fight states that have enacted laws or are considering legislation that protect unborn babies and their mothers. Well, based on the media coverage, it seems that they have the upper hand. You know, the media is as we know, uh, heavily biased towards the, the pro-abortion side. And there's a lot of reasons for that. A lot of it is simply that's where reporters and producers and directors and editors live. They live in this sort of liberal pocket, this bubble. They don't really know how pro-life this country is. We've been told over the months of this story of this Dobbs versus Jackson case that the American people support Roe versus Wade. That's technically true because when asked in surveys, people will say that. But what they really mean by that, and we know this because of their answers to other survey questions, what they really mean is, I don't really want to tell somebody who's poor or maybe the victim of sexual assault that they can't get an abortion early in pregnancy because I'm too uncomfortable to do that. They don't really mean, yes, we agree with the radical abortion till birth type of policy that has been imposed on all 50 states by Roe versus Wade. They don't support 
sex selection abortion. They don't support abortion as the backup for not bothering to use birth control. They don't support abortion to eliminate disabled children in the womb. So, so many things that Roe versus Wade allows, the public actually does not support. And what it's really going to come down to is state by state. What message can we deliver in a state where these battles are taking place? I think the most interesting places to watch will be states like Pennsylvania, where there's they're purple states, right? There's a pro-abortion side, a pro-life side that are fighting each other, and where there might be some room to really move things forward and, and even achieve some compromises that help save babies from abortion and provide assistance to mothers so that, uh, that they can choose life for their children. So I don't believe that the pro-abortion forces have any kind of upper hand. They have the media in their pocket. They have a lot of propaganda out there. I think it's going to take, honestly, a couple of years for the opportunity for states to enact stricter laws to actually kind of filter down and for the people to see two years later, three years later, oh, it isn't Armageddon. We aren't seeing the kind of misery and mayhem and, you know, the, the dystopian world that they're promising us in states that limit abortion. But in fact, things are going really well. Maybe we can even point to some victories where we've been able to drive down abortion rates, provide more assistance and do really positive things. So I think we have a tremendous opportunity, whatever the media may be trying to do to demoralize us. Your father, Joseph Scheidler, passed away back in January of 2021. And I'm wondering what you think he might have to say about this moment in time. Well, Monty, when you asked me that question, the first word that pops into my mind was a, a neologism of his. When he had a lot of funny words and terms that he used. And in fact, my brothers and sisters and I have a Google Doc of all his weird little turns of phrase and personal vocabulary. And one of those is the word phantasbar. He would say phantasbar whenever he was particularly excited about a piece of news or a phenomenon. And that's one of the first words I think would come out of his mouth right now. You know, he fought for 50 years for this, uh, nearly before he passed away. When he and my mother first got involved in the pro-life movement, they decided to devote five years of their lives to this. And uh, it's laughable, really. They thought five years would be enough to turn the American people against abortion. They were not realizing how, how deeply invested the abortion industry was and the media was becoming and the entertainment industry and the, and the culture at large after the sexual revolution. There was a lot of decay there. And Abortion was generally accepted by people, even if they weren't comfortable with it. Well, he began to realize that, you know, Roe v. Wade was, was not going to be overturned soon. A human life amendment wasn't, wasn't coming soon, you know, as the 70s wore on. On into the 80s and 90s and, and the aughts, he really felt like Roe v. Wade will not be overturned in his lifetime. Uh, but very much towards the end of his life, he started to feel much more optimistic. I think because of the court appointments under President Trump, I think he was incredibly impressed with Amy Coney Barrett. We'd had a case before her before, a panel of judges at the Seventh Circuit on our bubble zone case in the city of Chicago over their unconstitutional restriction of pro-life activities outside abortion facilities, and we were impressed with her. So he was starting to feel more optimistic. Eric, the pro-life action leagues, Joseph M. Scheidler, Face the Truth Tour, is reaching out to the public at sites throughout the Chicago area, volunteers holding pictures of beautiful unborn babies, along with signs showing the victims of abortion. In this highly charged political atmosphere surrounding abortion, where the pro-abortion side is the most vocal, just how important is it for Face the Truth to make its presence felt really throughout the summer and beyond? Well, it's incredibly important at this moment because Illinois is 
arguably the most pro-abortion state in the country. I mean, we're, we only have a couple of competitors for that ugly title. Uh, New York and California are the main ones. Illinois has expanded abortion uh, to be covered by taxpayers. We have stripped away any regulatory regime that would inspect abortion facilities. We've been trampling on conscience rights. They're even going after the pregnancy centers here in some proposed legislation this year. We're in a very hostile environment. We have to push back against that, and there's a lot of ways that we do that. I think probably the most important way is individual conversations, one-on-one -on -one with people who you know and care about who are, are pro-choice people or are sitting on the fence or you know, nominally pro-life but aren't really feeling like they can do anything about it. We need to mobilize the pro-life people to take action. We need to invite and draw the fence-sitters over to our side by showing them that our position is not only more reasonable, it's more life-affirming, and it's better for women and families. And we have to confront the pro-choice world in a, in a public kind of communal way as well, aside from the one-on-one -on -one conversations that are so critical. And that's what Face the Truth is all about, where we go out with a group, we go to a busy intersection, we show the reality of abortion, we pass out literature that appeals to the heart. You know, our signs don't carry a religious message or a political message. We don't say anything about murder or killing. We say, this is his only baby picture. And here's a picture of a 15-week fetus that's been destroyed. It's not even a very gory or bloody picture. We've dialed down the gore. We've tried to dial up the compassion to get people to think about the loss that it, every abortion is. We have signs that say they were our brothers and sisters and that say, remember the ab aborted unborn children. We want to remind people that there's a victim behind abortion to move their opinion farther and farther away from accepting this, not only as a public policy, but even in their own lives. I think one of our kind of unfortunate tendencies is to think always in political terms. We have stories we've heard on the street of babies that were saved from abortion without changing anyone's mind. A father who saw the signs as he was walking down the street for years, walking down the streets in downtown Chicago during our Face the Truth tour, never became pro-life, but when his girlfriend became pregnant, he urged her not to get the abortion. They went ahead, had the baby because of what he had seen. He couldn't do that to his own child, even if it didn't change his political position. So there's that element too. We're working on hearts and minds, not just on the way people vote or the politicians they support. But this is a witness that absolutely has to continue. So I really urge you to visit prolifeaction.org to look for those opportunities. Groups like Personal PAC, which has given us it's the pro-abortion lobby group that's given us this incredibly pro-abortion climate here in Illinois. We go to their fundraisers. They often hold them at homes in swanky neighborhoods in Evanston and downtown and Streeterville and places like that. We go out after Planned Parenthood when they hold events. When Joe Biden comes to town, we protest him. We're out there on the streets actively engaging the public and pushing public opinion with our witness. Join us and be a part of turning Illinois around because we can restore protection for unborn children in the state if we all join together, if all hands are on deck and we have confidence and faith that we can do it, and we trust in God and follow this plan, we can, we can turn Illinois around. It'll take a lot of work. It'll take a lot of time. But we better start right now. I want to dig a little deeper into that, but let me backtrack. You were talking about pharmaceutical abortions. Doesn't that kind of water down the impact of the Face the Truth tour and your message? Or do you have to kind of shift your message? Because women are thinking, well, I can just take a pill. It's not a surgical procedure, and we're done with it. As we're seeing more and more of these abortions taking place, we're starting to learn more about how they impact women. I had once thought that the abortion pill would make abortion much easier for women, that they would be able to take the pill that feels more like medicine instead of you know, surgery. But the problem is that when women take these pills, they expel a tiny little embryo. And oftentimes, they can see that embryo themselves. It's wiggling in their toilet. 
if it's still alive, for example. This is incredibly traumatic. We're hearing from the pregnancy resource centers and the post-abortion services that we've provided for women that this is becoming an incredibly traumatic experience. Will word get out? Will the media tell the truth? Will women just talk to each other about their abortions? We know women tend not to talk about abortion, but there may be a weird side effect of this push to get women to you know, shout their abortions. Maybe they do start talking to each other and the word starts to get out there that these medication abortions, these popping a pill, are actually incredibly painful, incredibly traumatic for women to go through. They're left all out on their own, having an abortion wherever they happen to be when the pill kicks in, whether it's at home or at school or wherever. It's an incredibly serious problem. It's easy to transport these pills, it's hard to track them, but with public education and with the reality that these pills are so traumatic, I think we may start to see a shift there. Eric Scheidler, the executive director of the Pro-Life Action League, will discuss the November election and abortion, as well as some other issues after timeout. Babies are people, not things. With the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with The Point. In a recent interview with Today, one actress revealed that she paid a surrogate to carry twin boys for her because to be pregnant herself would jeopardize her career. Often, arguments for surrogacy paint pictures of childless couples yearning to be parents. But even that sad situation doesn't justify taking a baby from the body that bore him or her. The real stories of surrogacy often look more like this one. The wealthy paying underprivileged women to bear their babies so as not to interfere with what they want. At least this actress was honest. She paid a surrogate because, quote, she was terrified of putting my life on hold for two years. Even aside from surrogacy's inherent exploitation of women and babies, this kind of story raises an important question. What exactly does our culture think parenting is? Parenting involves laying down our lives for our children. For a whole lot of years, children are human beings with their own inherent rights and dignity, including the right to their mom and dad. I'm John Stone Street. Thanks for joining Illinois Family Spotlight. Monty Larrick here, and uh, let's continue our conversation with Eric Scheidler, the executive director of the Chicago-based Pro-Life Action League. Eric, if people would like to volunteer or support the work of the Pro-Life Action League, how can they do that? You can find us online at prolifeaction.org. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash prolifeaction and on other social media channels at at prolifeaction. Uh, you can call us at 773-777-2900 and reach out that way. We are here to help you be a more effective activist. We train and equip pro-life activists across the United States to engage in effective, bold, uh, and courageous activism. Everything from holding banners over highway overpasses that say abortion takes a human life to protesting Planned Parenthood fundraisers, to holding um, you know, rallies and, and prayer vigils all across the country. We've done protests of Planned Parenthood nationwide, uh, had a huge impact there, stripped a whole lot of Title X money, funding from Planned Parenthood, which unfortunately the Biden administration reinstated, but for several years Planned Parenthood was hit real hard there. We are ready to put you to work with us right here in Illinois at prolifeaction.org. We have many opportunities for you to take part, whether it's out on the street, we can plug you into the pregnancy centers if you wanna volunteer, we can get you involved in our prayer campaigns. If you can't make it out to protests and rallies, you can be one of our prayer warriors. We need people praying for us when we're out on the street to keep us safe. There's a lot of ways to be involved and we're ready to help. Well, Eric, pro-abortion Democrats in Washington are pushing for passage of the so-called Women's Health Protection Act. This is legislation that goes far beyond codifying Roe into federal law. It will actually expand abortion and essentially eliminate safeguards put in place by states to protect unborn babies and their mothers. 
how do we stop this from becoming law? What do we have to do? Well, I'm glad to say that this bill has not been able to pass in the Senate. They've brought it up a couple times this year and it has very narrowly been defeated. They could decide to eliminate the filibuster and try to pass this law next year as the Senate changes by just one or two seats. Now, here in Illinois, we have very little chance of making any change in, in Washington, um, given how pro-abortion our senators are, how pro-abortion this state is. But if you've got family living in any other state where there's a senatorial race especially, we need to be voting for those pro-lifers. Uh, mostly we're talking about pro-life Republicans. So we have a great chance to stop this. I don't want people to panic about it. The Senate has not eliminated the filibuster for these types of laws. If they decide to end the filibuster, and pass this with a change in the Senate, it would be devastating for the country. Now we would have those measures in states like Mississippi with their 15-week gestational age act. Those measures would be wiped away. Abortion would dramatically increase in our country, not just because of the lack of legal blocks on it, but also because of the culture of acceptance of abortion that would be pushed forward by that. So it's a, it's a very disturbing bill. I'm glad that we've been able to stop it so far. If we can build a stronger pro-life Senate we'll be safe from this bill and we'll be able to focus then on the states where we can pass these measures that save lives. Well, how big a factor will abortion play in the November election? Well, we know that voters who prioritize the abortion issue are a minority. There's a small minority, about 20%, that will vote for the pro-choice candidate no matter what, and that's their number one issue. About 20% will vote for the pro-life candidate no matter what, and that's their issue. Everybody else is in between. I don't think that the controversy over the Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization is going to have as much of an impact as some people think in November. Those who are already radically pro-abortion or radically pro-life like we are, aren't going to have their opinions moved or changed. We're already highly, highly motivated. I think there will be some effect on the margins, but people right now are way, way more concerned about inflation, about violence in our society outside of violence in the womb. Gas prices, baby formula. Bad gas prices, baby formula, the war in Ukraine. They're concerned about these other issues way, way more than they are about abortion. I don't think it's going to have a massive impact in the November election, except in places where that issue matters to people. I think like in a state like Ohio, I think the pro-life issue will help J.D. Vance to win a Senate seat there. So there's places in the country where abortion is going to figure in and, and have an impact. But it's not going to be the, ma the massive backlash that some on the left are hoping for. I just don't see that coming because I don't think the American people are that committed to abortion, even if they say they generally support abortion early in pregnancy. And I think they're way more concerned about other things right now. Well, besides kind of putting a wall up against the Women's Health Protection Act, would uh, Republican-controlled Senate have the net effect of maybe making some inroads for the pro-life cause? Well, we absolutely need to have a pro-life Senate to block any proposals that may come from the Biden administration in his last two years in office. With Biden sitting in the White House, I don't see any opportunity for policy changes, any kind of laws to be passed. I don't think Joe Biden will sign anything truly pro-life that the Republican Senate might put forward. But as a, a way to investigate the abortion industry as a way to you know, hold hearings that push back against the Biden pro-abortion policies, control of the Senate would be of tremendous importance to the pro-life movement over the next few years. Let me ask you this. Would the election of a pro-life governor make much difference in Illinois where abortion is guaranteed under state law? We have a really tough road to hoe here in Illinois. It's going to be an uphill climb. Uh, J.B. Pritzker, for all of his 
obnoxiousness on the issue of abortion for all of his authoritarianism during the, the COVID crisis, um, for all of the debt that continues to riddle this state and all the corruption still has maintained its popularity among a lot of the voters. We can't do any worse than J.B. Frisker. To have a pro-life governor would make a tremendous difference, if only because it would stop the anti-life legislation that continues to be proposed. And the radical sex ed that's been passed, the Reproductive Health Act that codified, basically codified Roe in our state and says that no unborn child has any rights in our state. They continue to propose these types of horrible pieces of legislation. Be able to veto those would be very, very good for us. It's going to be harder to actually enact legislation because that's where you have to bring in more pro-life representatives and senators. So very, very difficult, but we need to start building. We need to start building now. Pick up a few state Senate, state House races. You know, a lot of these measures that we've seen recently, Reproductive Health Act, the HB 40 that you know brought taxpayer funding to abortion in Illinois, they were passed very narrowly. One or two seats would have made all the difference in stopping those laws. Repealing those laws is going to be very difficult, but we can do it if we can change just a little bit the composition of the General Assembly. Speaking of repeal, the Parental Notice of Abortion Act, now official. So we have our work cut out for us in our messaging to these young girls, and parents need to be a little bit more proactive, don't they? Well, I, I want to clarify one thing. The Parental Notice of Abortion Act did not require girls to talk to their parents about abortion. It required the abortionist to inform the parents okay. that the child was seeking an abortion. That's an important distinction. It's been lied about in the media as if we were telling girls, you know, you've got to go and talk to your abusive father or maybe the father that even got you pregnant, you know, that you're, you're seeking an abortion. That was never the case. That was never how the law operated. And we had a judicial bypass there for a girl who, who had a situation where there, there was a conflict in the house or abusive parent where she could go to a judge and the judge would be able to give that okay so that the parents wouldn't be involved. Of course, we lament every single abortion. We would like to see all of those girls choose life for their babies, of course. But the judicial bypass was there. That's all been swept away now, and parents will be completely in the dark about their minor daughters getting abortions. The effect of this on our state, I, I hope, as bad as it's going to be, will open people's eyes up to how we need to change policy here, especially if we see young women, young girls, flooding in from Wisconsin Indiana, Missouri, Kentucky, Tennessee, neighboring states, Iowa, coming here for abortions because of limits in their own states or parental involvement requirements in their own states. We've already seen out-of-state abortions skyrocket in recent years in Illinois. The general abortion rate in our state is going down. The out-of-state abortion rate is skyrocketing. That's going to continue. That trend is going to worsen and worsen. My prayer is that that tragedy, that devastation, will move Illinois voters' hearts so that we can turn around our laws and start to protect not only the unborn children for whom we have such a great heart, but these young women who are very often being exploited when they're taken for abortions under the age of 18. Eric, pro-abortion lawmakers have, for the most part, had their way here in Illinois, put in place taxpayer-funded abortions, repealed parental notice, codified abortion to state law, where do they turn next? You mentioned the pro-life pregnancy care centers could be a target, but could they also target, let's say, Christian home educators and Christian schools who do not teach experimentation, pro-abortion sex ed? Well, fortunately, the Illinois homeschool community, for whatever reason, is very vibrant and strong. There have been efforts in the past to try to limit or restrict homeschooling or require credentialing or some sort of state involvement in parents' education of their own children. Those measures have utterly failed because of the presence of homeschooling families going down to Springfield 
And so I, I feel more confident that we can protect our schools, not only because the voters are, are there to push against it and advocates will go to Springfield and rally about it, but also because of the First Amendment. We have great lawyers like the lawyers at the Thomas More Society Pro-Life Law Center in Chicago that are ready to defend our rights. So I feel more confident in the area of education. But the pregnancy centers I am concerned about, my own state rep, Barbara Hernandez, initiated a bill last year that would have required pregnancy centers to put up a big disclaimer telling women they don't do abortions and kind of apologizing for that. And even though that is unconstitutional under NIFLA versus Vaquera, Supreme Court suit from a few years ago, she still tried to push that. We expect to see other bills like that going forward. It could be resurrected. That, that bill could be resurrected. It could be modified. They've been pushing for abortion pills to be available or morning after pills to be available at, at college campuses and vending machines. So the number and kind of radical anti-life, anti-values, anti-family bills that are, are going to be coming from the Democrats is astronomical. We have got lots of battles on our hands. That's where your phone calls and your witness slips and your calling up your state rep and having a meeting with them in person or over Zoom or however you can do it can really make a difference. We were so close to stopping the repeal of parental notice, just a couple of votes away. I don't think they'd have succeeded, in fact, if it weren't for the controversy over the Texas bill that you know, gave them propaganda tools to use. But they were able to succeed by just a few votes, and that's because pro-lifers were pushing them. And, and they, they were backing off, but then they finally went forward with it. So our calls make a huge difference. Those meetings make a huge difference. You mentioned the pharmaceuticals on college campuses. What about in our taxpayer-funded high schools? Is that coming? I wouldn't put anything past the radical Illinois pro-abortion lobby. I wouldn't put it past them to try to, to put abortion pills or contraceptive pills into our high schools as well as our colleges. They're going to try every trick in the book, every single trick in the book. We have to be on top of it, and we have to be making those calls and having those meetings and pushing back all the time. And folks, you need to get involved with the Pro-Life Action League. And Eric, how do we do that? If you visit us at prolifeaction.org, you can sign up for my email alerts so you know what's happening. You put your zip code in there, and I'll be able to give you localized alerts for our state and for our region, what we're doing here. You can find us on, on Facebook at Pro-Life Action and other social media at Pro-Life Action. We are ready to help you to take your pro-life convictions and put them into action right on the front lines. Actions speak louder than words. That's what the Pro-Life Action League is about. Our other big slogan my father always used to repeat from St. Benedict was ora et labora, pray and work, pray and work. Our, our work is founded on prayer. Our prayer leads us to work. It's a, a cycle of activity in prayer and work that we're driving toward here. Join us in our ora et labora. Thank you so much. Eric Scheidler, the executive director of the Chicago-based Pro-Life Action League. Do support this ministry, and please support the work of Illinois Family Institute, and tell your family and friends about Illinois Family Spotlight. Until next time, stay healthy, stay active, and God bless. For more information about Illinois Family Spotlight, visit ifiaction.org. And to email questions and comments, do so at feedback at ifiaction.org.